0: seemed to morph into gleaming towers, peeling paint giving way to hundred-story stretches of titanium, glass, and steel. Like a brilliantly eccentric but unlicensed urban planner had become a plastic surgeon and performed an improvisational backroom procedure, grafting experimental avant-garde implants to this old, faithful matron of a metropolis. The megacity's blocks were packed tightly— Filled with an amalgam of high and low value real estate bunched together like giant, gleaming haystacks. Above, gyromobiles ferried people through the maze of floating traffic signals on New Sunset Boulevard, which hung a couple of thousand feet in the air. Below the hazy airways, the occasional jalopy with an old school gas engine chugged along, sputtering, as if unsure of what to do with all the empty space ahead of it on this neglected stretch of old sunset. The rubber-teflon blend in the soles of Mr. Smith's work boots, soles guaranteed by Nike to last seventy-five years, although he would have been happy with the next seventy-five seconds, gripped the slick pavement as he pivoted into an alley off Third Street on Avenue R. He leaned against a crumbling, greasy brick wall, heaved panicked breaths in and out, and listened for their footsteps. The morning sky was white and wet a selection of sounds, the hiss of a monorail's doors as they slid closed on the tracks a few feet away in the street, crisply screeching whistles from the city wranglers, guiding non-Stansbury-related citizens from one side of the street to another. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing except that four other ex-specimens, alumni of the same school he hated and helplessly revered simultaneously, had been killed at the rate of one per month for the past four months— There were six of them when everything began, improbably six months before that day. And then they were all gone except for him and his old accomplice, the delinquent duo, Mr. Daniel Ford Smith and Mr. Jonathan Clark Riley. Unlike the others, Mr. Smith and Riley were pals back in school, so when they heard about them disappearing one by one, they kept in touch. They spoke just two weeks ago. "'knowing the whole time but never saying out loud "'that they were the only ones left "'and that hence the next to go would be one of them. "'After hanging up the phone, "'Smith remembered hoping that Riley would go before him. "'Simple, basic, animalistic self-preservation. "'But now that he was running "'and the soft, inevitable roar of the footsteps behind him "'weren't stopping, weren't ever going to stop, "'Smith was thankful that it was his turn.' maybe riley would hear the news and play it safe maybe he'd get out of town and disappear forget about their impossible plans and start a new life somewhere anywhere standing there in the alley drenched in the polluted yellowing rain he decided to keep running because the least smith could do was give his old buddy a few more minutes of a head start before the footsteps came after him the pattern of the rain drummed a beat on his shoulders shoulders grown thick, riddled with pipes of tendons that trailed down into a network of shivering muscles in his arms. Muscles, courtesy of Stansbury School. Unfortunately, the school's famous med cycle didn't work the same magic on his cerebral cortex. He barely graduated. His parents wouldn't pay for community college. Twelve years of Stansbury tapped them out. He wasn't finding a job. As if the odds weren't poor enough, given his lack of credentials, the release of the first wave of gyromobiles corresponded with his year of birth. The floating vehicles replaced conventional automobiles, virtually eliminating traffic accidents, and gave way to the population boom of 2015, just in time for those babies to grow up and compete with him for minimum wage labor. Sure, he was a stansbury specimen and all, but competing in a job market with twelve billion other people was no cakewalk. Then one day the Stansbury Alumni Relations Board called Smith up out of the blue and offered him a job shifting units of packaged intravenous cafeteria foodstuffs around the school's plant in the outskirts of San Angeles. He accepted graciously. The offer made him think the school wasn't so bad after all. They took care of their own. No one called him Mr. at the plant, though, Justice spat out Smith like it was a four-letter word, but a job was a job, and he was determined to tough through it and make an honest living. His mom and dad were proud, relatively speaking.